am excited about this series. Uh, you say, Herbert, you say that about every series. Well, I'm preaching it, so I'm excited about every series I teach, but I really am excited about this series and what God's going to do in hearts and in lives. Let me say this right up front before I get started with the teaching today. If you're a guest, I want you to know right up front we are teaching on, on finances and how to have peace in your financial life. And I want you to know I'm not about shenanigans. I'm not about manipulation. I'm not about games. I'm not about being a con artist. We're not passing around the offering buckets next week. I'm not going to buy an airplane next week. We're not about that. I just want you to know that right up front. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And I want to help you really in your financial life. I really want you to have peace. These are some difficult days that we're living in. People are hurting and they're struggling, and I want God to bring you peace in this area of your finances. So I want you to do this. If you're a first-time guest, just relax. You're in a safe place to hear a really encouraging message to help you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I've titled this talk today, More. And you can see on our platform, we got more stuff because, I mean, more is so much a part of our culture. So we wanted that as a, as a backdrop because the truth is our culture has an insatiable desire for more. We are consumed with consuming. Whatever we have, it isn't enough. There's always this quest, this desire, this need for more. It's the mentality of one is good, but two is better. This reminds me of the words of King Solomon, who was the richest man who ever lived. No one had more money. No one had more stuff. No, more had, no one had more bling bling than this guy named King Solomon. And I want you to see what this wealthy man said in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. Notice this. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. In other words, whatever you have, it's never enough. There's always this craving for more. And you know what I've noticed in my own life? No matter how much I have, I still want more. It's never enough. I'm in the same boat that you're in. I want you to know that I struggle with the same desires that you struggle with, this, this need for, for more. Matter of fact, about three months or so ago, my, my watch broke. And I have in the last years of my life, I don't know, 10, 12 years, my, I always bought a, a Walmart watch. I like about $10. Now, nothing wrong with the watch you wear. That's the watch I like. It looked pretty good, and it worked, and it ticked, all right? So I, I wore a Walmart watch for $10, and, and my watch broke on me. And so I decided this time, you know, I decided, I'm going to upgrade a little bit, you know, spend $40, $50 on a watch. And so I decided to drop by the mall. Just I mean, and, and when I shop, I'm a quick shopper. I go in there, and I go get what I got to get. You know what I'm saying? So I pull to the mall real quick, and I'm on a mission. I walk right in, and I go to the jewelry store. And, and I don't go to the jewelry store often, so I'm not familiar with what goes on. So I'm, I'm in the jewelry store, and the lady's going to help you. I said, yeah, don't want to be here long. Want to buy a watch? It's made about $50. So, sir, we don't have no watch for $50 in here. <laughs> Walmart for 10 jewelry store for 50 That makes sense to me. She won't have no watch for $50. Well, what do you got? She says, well, we got one watch for 100 and the rest of them are 500 and 1,000 and up. I said, well, I guess I'm going to go back to Walmart. And I left out of the store. I mean, well, I knew I was going to spend that money on a watch. And, but I did want something kind of nice and kind of upgrade a little bit, so I decided I'm not going to go back to Walmart. So I went to Target. <laughs> and uh, some of you call it Target, but I call it Target. 
going to upgrade my watch a little. And I went in there, and they were having a sale on watches. So I was excited, went there, lady was helping me at the counter, looking at all kind of watches, and, and I got this one watch, cost me about, I don't know, $39. It was on sale. Look at that $39 watch from Tarshay. I was excited about it, got me a deal, and then the lady let me know, not only, sir, is that on sale, but we got another watch over here for $2.50. That's $2.50. So we have another watch right here, and it's $4.50. I started calculating. I said, I'm going to come out better with three watches than I would have got one watch for $50 at the jewelry store that, that they didn't have. And, I, you know, I've been, I've been going for two months. My watch has been broke two or three months, hadn't had one, and was fine. I mean, I probably didn't really need a watch. You know what I'm talking about, but I wanted one, and I'd like to have a watch on. And so I decided I'm going to buy this one watch, but since he told me one was on sale for $250, the other was on sale for $450, I walked out of that store with three watches. <laughs> I only needed one. More. Uh, but I justified it because I only spent about $45. You know what I'm saying? I was going to spend 50 More. And that was about two weeks ago or so. And you're laughing at me, but you struggle with the same desires. More. Some of you ladies got a closet full of shoes. Uh, you ain't worn some of them in a year and a half, but you keep them. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you got shirts in your closet. Some of you ain't got shirts. You had warm in years, but it's there. It's hanging there. And you still want more. And there's this appetite for, for more. And here's the deal. If we're not careful, we will buy into this huge lie called the myth of more. The myth of more believes three things. The myth of more believes three things. I want you to jot these down in your notes there. The myth of more believes these three things. Number one is this. Having more will make me happy. It's a lie. You see, in America, we believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. People believe if they buy this car, they'll be happy. If they buy this house, they'll be happy. If they wear this name brand clothes, they'll be happy. And the reality is stuff can bring happiness, but it only lasts for a short time. It's only temporary. It doesn't last. How many of you are really still happy about the Christmas gift you got last year? Uh, most of you don't even remember what you got. You know what I'm saying? I know my kids aren't happy. They're ready. They are. Last night, I was sitting in a chair with my daughter nurse and my son, and we got a magazine in the mail from a store with toys in it, and they were sitting down telling me what the toys they wanted. They're not satisfied about last year's Christmas. They want something for this year at Christmas time. You see, the deal is this. No matter what we get, there's this desire that we're never satisfied. It doesn't make us happy. It's only a temporary happiness. And King Solomon said these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10. Whoever loves money, remember we talked about that last week. That's the real issue is loving money, loving stuff. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. The issue is so many Americans love it. We looked at it last week in Timothy where he said that the love of money is the root of all evil. Whoever loves money never has enough money. When, you, when you're in love with stuff, you never have enough of it. Whoever loves wealth, whoever loves stuff, whoever loves possessions, whoever loves money is never satisfied with his income. Because, listen, money and stuff don't bring lasting happiness. We would think, well, if somebody is wealthy, they must be satisfied. But if you love money, you'll never be satisfied because stuff, because money, because possessions don't bring lasting happiness. It's a myth. You'll always want more. There's a second myth that I want you to see here. A second myth that people believe is having more will make me important. Our culture tells us that, that our, our, our value is determined by our valuables. 
And people really believe this. They believe if I can afford to live in this certain house, if I can afford to drive this certain car, if I can afford to wear these certain clothes, then I must be more valuable than someone who, who can afford those things. And friends, can I tell you, that's just not the truth. It's, it's a lie. Here's what Jesus said. I want this, the, these words of Jesus to penetrate your heart deeply today. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Watch out. And listen, in our culture, we got to watch out. And this American society that says more, you got to have more. You'll never be happy without more. You'll never be important. You'll never be somebody without more. Watch out. Be on your guard. Have your dukes up. Be, be ready to fight against our culture. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Against this desire for more. This is, I'll be important if I get more. I'll be happy if I get more. Be on your guard against this desire of greed. Listen to what Jesus says. So powerful. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. You aren't more valuable because you live in a certain house. You're not more valuable because you drive a certain car. You're not more valuable because you wear certain clothes. Your self-worth isn't based on what you make. It's based on who made you. The Bible says this. The Bible says that you were made in the image of God and that you're valuable. Whether you have a million dollars or whether you just have ten dollars, you are valuable. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He created you with purpose. You were created in the image of God Almighty. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Don't you dare confuse your net worth with your self-worth. You are valuable and worthy because God made you, and he put his stamp on your life. That makes you valuable. Don't buy into the lie that having more will make me important. It's a myth. Number three is this. There's a, a third myth of more that people believe, and that is having more will fix my problems. Many people think that more is the solution. If I can just make more money, then things would be different. Things would be better. If I had more money, I'd be in better financial shape. If I made more money, I wouldn't have these financial problems. And friends, the real problem is most people haven't learned to make it on what they already have. They want to make it on what they don't have. And if you make more money and don't change your thinking, you will continue to live without financial peace. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. Because 90, 95% of Americans, when they make more money, they spend more money. When their income goes up, their expenses go up. They get a $300 a month raise, and they go celebrate it by getting a $450 a month car payment. They get a $700 a month raise, and they go celebrate it by upgrading the house and get an extra $1,000 a month house payment. And you'll never have financial peace if you buy into this lie that if I just had more money, it would fix all of my problems. Listen, the problem is not you need to make more. The problem is you have to live on what you already have and not instead of what you don't have. Paul says some powerful words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to what he says. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. Wow. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And friends, you and I, if we're going to have green peace, we have to learn to be content with what we have. You have to learn to live on what you already have. And if you don't learn to live on what you already have, you'll always overextend yourself. You'll always spend more than you make. You'll never achieve financial peace because you think peace is going to come when you get the raise, when you get the promotion. And when, if you don't change your thinking, when you get the raise and promotion, your income just goes up with it. You got to learn to live on what you already have. I've just given you three myths of more. What I want to do for the remainder of our time together is I want to teach you four steps to overcoming the myth of more. We all struggle with this. You struggle with this. I struggle with this. Let's look at four steps to overcoming the myth of more. Number one is this. This is a big one. Resist comparing what you have with others. Resist comparing what you have with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says this out of the Living Bible. Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how good they are. Their trouble, their, their problem, their issue is that they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves against their own little ideas. What stupidity. Just look at your neighbor and say, are you stupid? No, don't do that. No, no, no. Don't do that. I like the living Bible. That's stupid. Paul is simply saying that when you compare yourself with someone else, that's dumb. That, that, that's not smart. It's, it's not wise. Don't do it. There are two problems with, with playing the compare game. Two problems. The first problem is pride. And the second problem is jealousy. It's a dangerous game to play. I got to drive what you drive. I got to keep up with the Joneses. I got to wear what you wear. I got to live in the house you live in. And, and this, I, I got to eat where you eat. I, and it drives your life, the compare game. And you play the compare game, pride will creep into your heart. And you'll start thinking that you're better than somebody else. You, you, you'll start looking down on others because of what you have and because of what they don't have. Pride. Jealousy creeps into your heart. And you start wanting what somebody else has. Envy. Jealousy. Coveting. Well, I, I need what you need. I, I, I need to have what you have. I, I want what you have. And, and this can be so subtle, but it begins to drive your life because you're always comparing what you have to others. And for, friends, I'm going to tell you that these two things, jealousy and pride, can turn really good people into monsters. You've seen it, and I've seen it. Don't play the compare game. Let me say this to you. I say this in love today. Some of you are wrapped up in comparing yourself to somebody else, comparing your possessions with somebody else. You're always looking at what somebody else has. Let me, stop it. Stop it. I know our culture pushes it. You have to push against it. You have to be on guard against all kinds of great, stop it. You'll never achieve financial peace if you're always comparing what you have to somebody else. And if you do get what they got, you're going to look at what somebody else has got, what, got, what they got. And listen, don't get into that trap. You'll never achieve financial peace if you continue to compare yourself to other people. Number two is, is this. You say, Herbert, how do I overcome this? How do I stop the compare game? How do I overcome comparing what I have to others? Number two is this. Rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in what you have. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. 
You say, Herbert, why? Why should I give thanks right where I am? The Bible says, for this is God's will. You want to know God's will right here? Here it is. God's will for you in Christ Jesus is that you would give thanks in all circumstances. Listen, friends, we need to be grateful for what God has already given us. Notice, notice this. Notice it doesn't say be grateful if you're wealthy. It doesn't say be grateful if you have everything you want. It says, listen, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, I'm going to give thanks whether I'm eating filet mignon or I'm eating a mustard and bologna sandwich and I don't have any bologna and I'm eating a mustard sandwich. I'm going to be thankful for what God has given me. I'm going to be thankful whether I'm driving a 20-year-old Honda Accord or a 2010 Lincoln Navigator. I'm going to say, Lord, I thank you, and you've been good to me, and I bless you. you got to be thankful for what you already have, and if you don't be th- if you're not thankful for what you already have, you'll always chase after more. You'll always pursue more. I want us to do an exercise right now. Come on, I know you, it's Christmas time, and you've been thinking about your wish list, what you want, and a brand new TV, and want another car. Push all that out of your mind. Come on, the car you got right now, Lord, I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, that I'm driving. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, get thankful for what you are. Come on, let's practice. Practice with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I know you've been wanting to upgrade the house and get your new duplex and get another apartment and get bigger this. Listen. Lord, I thank you for the house I do have. Lord, I'm thankful for the, I'm thankful for the apartment I already got. I bless you, Lord. You've been good to me. You've been good to me. Come on. Instead of thinking, I know all of you think you ought to get a $20,000 a raise a, a month. Amen. Forget a year, a month. And you're, you're thinking about what, what you ought to have. Come on, come on. Some people, even in our church, have lost their job. You ought to say, Lord, I thank you that I got a job. Thank you that I'm working, Lord. Thank you that you've been good. You provide, you're providing for I'm thankful for what I already quit. Quit focusing on what everybody else has and say, Lord, I thank you. You've been good to me. You've blessed me. I come on every morning, wake up and say, Lord, I'm thankful. Got a toothbrush. Praise the Lord. Can brush my teeth, comb my hair. I'm trying to help somebody today. You got to rejoice. You got to give thanks in all circumstances. Number three, you, you shout over point two and you'll go old me on point three. Point three is return the first 10% back to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> if you're a new believer, I want to help you with this. Don't want anything from you. I want something for you. This will revolutionize your financial life if you put this principle into practice. It'll help you break greed in your life. Listen to what Scripture says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7. You have a long history of ignoring my commands, God says to the Jewish people, to his people, the Israelites. You, have, you haven't done a thing, I've told you. Return to me. That's, that's interesting what God says. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel, uh, angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? How do we return to you? Malachi 3.10, a few verses later, God says, bring the, the full tithe, your full tithe, not half, not two-thirds, not a little bit, but your full tithe to the temple treasury, so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. I want you to get three things from this. Three things. Some of you are like, they're shouting over, giving their money away. They're practicing this principle, and it really does work. I want to point out three things to you just real quick. 
Number one is trusting God. I want you to see what God says to the Israelites. He says, return to me. Because they were leaning on their own understanding. They were doing their own thing. They thought they could handle their finances better than God could handle it and following his principles. And God says, listen, listen, Israel, return to me. Trust me. You've been trusting in yourself. Can I tell you, whenever I trust it in my own ingenuity, my own ideas, it gets me in a mess. It does. It, it gets you in a mess. And God says, trust me. Lean on me. Depend on me. Quit trusting in yourself. Quit trusting in human wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and quit leaning on your own understanding. God says, return to me. Trust me. Lean on me. Quit doing things your own way. There's a second thing that I want you to see. Malachi 3.10, God says, bring your full tithe. Here's the deal. When you begin to give, when you begin to tithe, it breaks greed off your life. You'll never meet a greedy giver. And you know, one of the things we struggle with, one of the things, if we're honest, while we don't tithe, while we don't give, it's, there's this thing called greed in our hearts. And we, we start only think about ourselves and putting ourselves first. And you know what giving does, what tithing does? And God knew it. He knew we would struggle with this. That's why he said, give it to me first. It, it begins to break greed off your life. As your giving grows, your contentment grows. As your giving grows, your contentment grows. You're struggling with greed, start giving. You, you're, you're str- give more. I mean, go, you're already tithing, man, go, go find the homeless and start giving. Feed somebody, minister to somebody. As your giving grows, your contentment grows. There's a third thing that I want you to see in this portion of Scripture, and that when, when you begin to tithe, you're inviting God's blessings into your life, into your financial life. Notice what he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. And I know it doesn't make sense to, to you if you've never practiced this, but listen, you want to live on 90% with God's blessings instead of, of 100% without God's blessings. I, trust me, you want God involved in your finances. You want his blessings. You want his favor upon your financial life. And there's a lady in our church, we were in the crazy uh, push, crazy campaign talking about it in August. And, and God began to speak to her about this whole thing about tithing just four or five months ago. And she began to tithe. She began to break greed off her life. She began to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I've been trusting my own way, but I'm going to begin to trust you, oh God, and quit leaning on my own understanding. God, I'm going to invite your blessings into my life. And a few months ago, Passion Bradley began to tithe. And I want you to hear her story. Check out this video. I've always been a preacher's child. My dad's a pastor in Wichita. And um, we knew what was right. We knew what to do. We knew what to say, um, how to believe, what to ask for, but knowing and doing is two different things. We were always on a, um, always on a grind, always trying to find money to pay for here, struggling, um, just how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to feed the kids. Our prime, my prime concern was my children. How are we going to feed the children? Do we have enough food for them? And at that time um, in our lives, we needed a financial breakthrough. We knew what tithing meant, you know. Um, but being married young, having three kids right at the first beginning of our marriage, right straight from college, you really didn't have time to save up for those things. We struggled. No one really knew that but us. And both of our parents, his parents and mine, had said, you know why you are where you are. And we were like, no. Do you guys tithe? 
and it kind of struck me thinking, you know, here and, here and there, because we don't have all the time to give. We have bills that we have to take care of, and they were like, you know, you just you need to tithe. And so once I um, just let it go and let God handle it, he took care of everything. And halftime in August for the crazy campaign, um, Preston Cooper talked about tithes again and just kind of reflect on, you're right. We knew all along what we had to do. We paid everyone else before we paid God. And that's why the struggle or where we were struggling in. But once we gave God first and everything was taken care of, everything has been taken care of. I love hearing people's stories about inviting God into their financial life. And passion shares something, a principle that I, I want to teach if you don't know about this. It'll revolutionize your financial life if you'll begin to practice it. Passion said this, I was paying everybody else first. And she said, you know what I had to begin to do? We had to start paying God first. Let, let me give you just quick things. It won't come up on the screen, but just jot these down. I have them in my notes. And I want to share them with you. It'll change your financial life if you'll practice this. Number one is this, pay God first. Pay God first. The first thing my wife and I do is we pay God first. We don't, we, we don't pay everybody else first. We put God first. Second of all, this is, this is going to be hard. Pay yourself second. You got you to gotta save and invest next. You, 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 can't, you, you can't flip it around and, and, and do, do this thing backwards. You got to pay God first. Honor God with a tithe. Pay yourself second. Number three, pay the government third. Now, some of you, this ain't possible because I mean, no Uncle Sam, he pulls it right out of your check. But in your mind, you need to know I'm, the government is third. It's not first. No, number four, pay your bills next. The food, the, the mortgage, the, the utilities, the, the diapers you need, the Debt reduction plan. you got to get a debt reduction plan. That, that's part of it right there. You're, how, how am I going to attack this debt? And next week, I'm so excited about this message, dumping debt. I can't wait to share with you Tiffany and I's story when we were in, in debt and how we've been able to get out of debt uh, several years ago except for our home. And I want to talk. I want to share that journey with you. I want to open up our lives to you and help you with dumping debt in your life. Number five, number five is then enjoy it. That's the fifth, entertainment, enjoy it. Now, now, here's the problem. Here's the problem is most people do number five first. And that's why you get in financial mess because you, you get paid and you're going to enjoy it and get a vac- go on vacation, get a new TV, get you some clothes, go out to eat. Huh? Some of you got paid and, and, and you, you, knew, you knew you shouldn't have done this, but the Lakers were in town last week. Got to go get me two NBA tickets, and you didn't can afford two NBA. But but we put entertainment first, and we get our financial life all out of whack. Don't do entertainment first. Pay God first. Pay yourself second. Pay the government third. Pay your bills next, and then enjoy the rest. And that's a remedy for financial peace. Number four is this. There's a, a fourth step to overcoming the myth of more. Number four is refocus your life on eternal things on eternal things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, let me just say this. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't save and invest for the future. Matter of fact, that's a biblical principle. 
in, in week number four, in just two weeks, I'm going to teach about saving and investing. I want, I want to talk to you about that. And so you don't want to miss that message. But, 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 but don't think that Jesus is saying, listen, you don't need any savings. You don't need to invest in the future because that's not, that's not scriptural. Jesus knew our heart, our tendency was the only focus on earth, and he's trying to refocus us here. And so verse 20, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Keep your mind focused on eternal things. You're only going to live 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this on this earth and then there's life after death there's eternity keep your mind focused on eternal things where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal notice this for where your treasure is there your heart everybody say heart there your heart will be also listen 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 what you live for is so much more important than what you live on what you live for is so much more important than what you live on. People's church, what are you living for? Really? You, are you living just for, for the new car? You, you're living for the new house? you living for the new career? you you living for the new degree? You, are you living just for the weekend? I mean, that's that what you're, you're living for? Jesus said, live your life in the light of eternity and use your money to build the kingdom of God. Don't miss this. I want to give you the secret, a secret to financial peace. Here it goes. Here it goes. Jot this, jot this down. Write this down. Financial peace is a matter of the heart. Financial peace is a matter of the heart. Here's the deal materialism and the quest for more is not about money. It's about our heart. You see, friends, materialism is a heart issue. Overspending is a heart issue. Consumer debt is a heart issue. Not tithing is a heart issue. You have to understand that, that, that when you spend more than you make, it's a heart issue. When you go get eight credit cards and max them out and pay the minimum payment, it's a heart issue. Always wanting more is a heart issue. Financial peace, it's always a matter of the heart. And Jesus tells us, refocus on eternity. Refocus on God. Refocus on what really matters. Think about heaven. Listen, listen. What you live for is so much more important than what you live on. And Jesus said, listen, where your treasure is, where, and if your treasure is only about more and more bling bling and more stuff, and I got to upgrade, and I got to have this, and I got to look this way, and people got to think. That, and if, if that's where, listen, where your treasure is, that's where your heart, it's a heart issue. So your heart is. And Jesus says, man, get your heart on my kingdom. Get your heart after me. Pursue me. Put me first. Chase after me. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the others. This is what he says. You can't serve both God and money. And I would just ask you, what are you serving? What are you devoted to? What you live for is so much more important than what you live on. 
Lord, thanks for your word today. Lord, I pray today. That